Actually, a little bit more than that. I'm sorry. Um, Acts 13, 44 and following. If you're there, say amen. amen. Beginning in verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And I'm going to stop in, the, in that verse right there. Because the next time we're on this passage, we're going to pick back up on, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So that will be the next time we're in Acts. But let's stop right there where it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we are thankful that the word of the Lord, your word, your gospel, sweeter than honey, that's better than gold, that is more to be desired than any of the fine gems and Lord that it has been given to the Gentiles which is us we praise you for that we thank you for that that we've been brought in to the same tree that we have been grafted in the place of the Jews Lord we're eternally grateful in Jesus name we pray Amen you may be seated Last time we met, we, uh, we talked about Paul and Barnabas being in, in Poseidon. And we are still there. Antioch and Poseidon were still there. They had preached one of the Sabbaths. And after that, the people begged them. There was new converts that followed them. Um, after that, Paul and Barnabas told them to continue in the grace of the Lord. And then the next Sabbath... This is what happens in verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I've asked many times, too many to count, for the church to show up, for the community to show up. And, and in our day and age, it's not the cool thing to do anymore just isn't. Ministers. It's every minister's dream to preach to the mass at once, to share the gospel to those that need it, to those that want it, to those that are eager to listen, ready to receive and ready to practice. It is every minister's dream to be able to do that. I've stood in places and preached where people were that hungry. People wanted to hear. And we know in every crowd there are different ones. And 
not everybody is alike. Not everyone who comes to hear the word of the Lord comes with a heart to actually hear. Right? Some come out of obligation. You ever came to church out of obligation? I have. Let's be real. Some come out of obligation. Some come because they are told to come. Some come because they need to keep up with the Joneses. And how would it look if such and such wasn't that church? So they come. Right or wrong? Some come out of curiosity. We see that in Zacchaeus who climbed a tree just to see what was going on. There's a little stir in the church and then all of a sudden you have these that are coming in from the community, which is wonderful, but they come out of curiosity. They want to see what's going on. Some come to church because they are satanic plants. Satanic plants. Does anybody believe that? That the enemy has placed wolves in sheep's clothing that the enemy has placed in a certain place to cause disruption and confusion. Since I've been at Grace, I have witnessed all of these at one point or another. All of them. And then you have those that are truly, they have a heart that, desire God, that desires God's Word, right? Desiring God's Word, they come. They truly desire it. They want to know it. They want to understand it. They make every effort to come regardless of home life, regardless of financial trouble or any type of persecution. Why? Why do they do that? I'll tell you why they do it. They know it's better. They know that it is better to gather with the saints than to be by themselves. Plain and simple. They know it's better together with the saints. Then you have those that are truly seeking a heart transplant. A heart transplant. These are the hardest to read. They most generally have pretty good poker faces. They have a void in their heart, but yet don't want anybody to know about it. Waiting and waiting and waiting, they come. They watch and examine others and how you live and how we praise and how we worship and they see. Sometimes, well, there is a difference in that one or maybe there's not at all. There are those that, that are searching for a cure till at last they find it preached among God's people. The job of the minister is to preach to them all, knowing that it's the power of God that saves those that are the seekers, those that are the hungry. It is the power of God that saves those that are the curious, those that are the hard-hearted, those that are the wicked in sheep's clothing. Remember the apostle Paul when he was Saul? He was a terrible person. He didn't understand that God's grace was about to get a hold of him. And so here we welcome all. And we hope all can come and all can listen regardless of the intent and why you're here. I pray that as you are here, you can listen 
to the Word of God. Verse 45, listen to what it says. So in this, in this congregation, on this Sabbath day, when Paul and Barnabas are, are preaching, the whole city, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And in that city, we have all of these different types of people. You know it as well as I do. And in every church, you have the same thing, right or wrong. Right. Verse 45, it says, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. What the Jews were teaching, there was no comparison to what Paul and Barnabas were teaching. The Jews were teaching the law, and it was dry, and it was ugly. And it brings forth death, and it will bore you to tears if you don't care anything about it. It'll bore you to tears. It was the law. The law shall leave you broken without any salve to put on your wounds. That is the job of the law, is to break us. This is what the Jews were good at doing, bringing that out. Paul and Barnabas come with a gospel of joy and a gospel of salvation, a message of joy and salvation. And the Jews were jealous. Because they were seeing that there was a difference in these people. There was a difference in those that were believing. There was a difference. They responded different than when, Paul, than when they preached the law. So Paul and Barnabas are here and they're preaching. The people were responding and the Jews become very, very jealous. And this is a problem that plagues almost every single pastor that I've ever talked to. This, one's having, this one is having uh, success over here and this church is not. Or this one is and that one's not. Or this one's running 40 and that one's running 300. It's a problem and it plagues every pastor. Well, it plagued these Jewish teachers. They were upset, they were jealous. It is a jealousy that ebbs and flows. It's up and down. It's, it's like the ocean surf. Sometimes it's building and building and building and crash. It's coming a long time out in ministers' hearts. And other times it's like a lightning bolt. It just whoosh, comes down. So there's pride and there's jealousy in the heart of ministers. And this is something that must be checked. I've been plagued with this many, many times, especially with a family who's, there's so many ministers in it, it's hard to keep up with. What church is doing this and what church is doing that? So there was jealousy and there was pride here found within them. And they began to contradict what Paul was teaching. They began to revile these truths, these truth speakers as heretics. Contradicting, going against what they were teaching, reviling them, putting them down. Anything they could say to discredit them, they were doing. Their pride was hurt and they were lashing out. Your pride ever get hurt? Mine does. Their pride was hurt and they were lashing out against 
the apostle and his worker. This is what was taking place in our text. Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel. People were being saved. The Jews didn't like it. And if there is a text for the Gentiles to search over and to examine, it's this one. And I want to tell you the reason why. Because there is a turning point in the gospel history. And it's right here in our text. A turning point. Their pride was hurt, the Jewish people, their pride was hurt. It was, it was swelled up by the preaching of Paul and Barnabas. They'd had enough of it. Well, just come to find out, Paul and Barnabas had had enough of them as well. Had enough of them. Paul and Barnabas were like, enough is enough. Listen to what it says in 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. Up until this moment, they were preaching, but now they're going to get their attention and they're going to say, enough is enough. You've had your chance. You've had your opportunity. The gospel has been preached to you. You have rejected it and rejected it and rejected it. Enough is enough. Listen to what happens. But when the Jews saw the crowds that were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. They shouted this out saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. They say it was, it was important that this come to you first. It was important that you receive it first. And as a matter of fact, you will see, continue to see Paul and Barnabas and those preaching the gospel continue to go to the Jews first. But now as a whole, it's fixing, to, it's fixing to change and it's fixing to go to the Gentiles. That is you and that is me. Can somebody please give me an amen on that? Because of the rejection of the Jews, it has come to you. Because of the rejection of those that had the covenants... And the laws and the promises and everything that was given to them. Because they rejected the Messiah. Rejected the message and the messengers. The gospel has turned to the Gentiles. And what's happening is, is Romans chapter 11. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. The, the Gentiles are being grafted in. Turn with me to Romans 11 if you can. Because I want you to pay attention to this because this gives us a picture of what is taking place in our text, in this very text, in Acts 13. Now, how many people have ever grafted in a branch? I know Jerry has. Jerry's grafted in plenty of branches. He's made plenty of pecan trees. Brother Frank that used to come to church, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he was, he was very, very good at grafting in branches. Well, this is what's taking place in our text in the book of Acts in chapter 13. You're going to see the gospel go to the Gentiles and the Gentiles be grafted in to that olive tree. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 11, beginning there. In verse 17, and this whole passage really is about that, but I want to key in on verse 17 because I don't have that much time to go through this whole section. Verse 17 says this, 
But if some of the branches were broken off, in other words, if some of the branches had been broken off, that's the example given. You go outside, you break off a branch, or you cut it smooth, you, you break it off. Then there's a cut-off branch out there. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, he's talking to the, to the Gentiles, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. It says, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. This is what took place in our text in Acts chapter 13. Branches were broken off so Matthew, David, and Merle could be grafted in to the olive tree. Do we understand that? Branches were broken off so Debo could be grafted in to the olive tree. At one time, we were wild olives. Not good for anything, but being grafted in, we are partaking of something that is not of ourselves. We have been placed there. We have been called there. We have been put there. It was not of our own doings. This is what we have to understand about being grafted. It is taking something, the husbandman or the gardener, from one place and bringing it over to another place and working his, working his, working his magic, if you will, working his specialty, cutting back and then putting in that they may be able to partake of that tree. The Jews are being broken off and the Gentiles, the wild olive branches are now being grafted in. This is what's happening in Romans. This is what's happening in Acts chapter 13. But listen in Romans. Listen to what it says. I'm going to go further. Verse 19 says, Then you will say, Branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. What happened in Acts 13? They were broken off because of their unbelief. The Jewish people had had enough of the gospel. They didn't want to hear it no more. So they were broken off. What took place next? Paul and Barnabas turned to whom? The Gentiles. And they were what? Grafted in. Listen to the text. Verse 20, that is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. And so there's a warning given with those that are grafted in. So the Jews are being broken off in our text. The wild olive branches, the Gentiles are being grafted in. And what is the outcome of this? What is the outcome of the Gentiles being grafted in? Psalms 1 and 3 tells us this. Psalms 1 and 3, you don't have to turn there, you can write it down. It's like He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does prospers. This is what is taking place in our text in Acts 13. The Jews were not prospering. The Jews were not bearing fruit. The Jews were not being kind to their husbandmen, to the gardener, to the Lord. They persecuted him and put him to death. He rose again. But they didn't want to have anything to do with him. The purpose of the tree was to produce fruit. The purpose of the olive tree was to produce what? Olives. So when the branches are not producing olives, what happens? They're cut off. 
And when they're cut off, then the wild olive is placed with the real olive, and that real tree begins to produce fruit, even though they are wild. The Gentiles here were to be prosperous, and we see them, they are going to be prosperous. It's the breaking off of one group who was not producing fruit to graft in another group, Gentiles, because they would produce fruit. The producing of fruit is the goal. Does everybody get that? The producing of fruit is the goal. The prosperity of the tree is what is at stake. And the gardener cares about the prosperity of the tree. He cares about it. I have a tree right now that I'm fixing to cut back. It's a peach tree. It ain't did anything. Done anything, did anything. I'm fixing to cut it back. I don't want to kill it. I'm going to give it a little bit more time to see what happens. The prosperity of the tree is what is at stake. And the gardener, who is the father, will have his glory, whether the Jews give it to him or whether the Gentiles give it to him. Do we understand that? We've got to understand what's taking place here. The goal is for the tree to produce fruit, to produce olives. The gardener is going to do everything he can so that that takes place. So if some of the branches are not, what's he going to do? He's going to cut them back and he's going to graft in more because the goal is to produce fruit. This moment in time in the book of Acts in chapter 13, the Jews were not doing that. They had rejected the gospel and now they are being cut off. In this case, the Jews reject the sap of the tree. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They reject the sap of the tree. They reject it. It comes from the root. They don't want to have anything to do with it. They bear nothing, so they are cut off. The scripture teaches us that that root of the tree is Jesus Christ. And the gospel message is the sap that flows through that root and that feeds those and produces fruit in the rest of the tree. And by the rejection, they are broken off. And the Gentiles are grafted in. And now the sap flows freely. The goal is that the tree produce fruit. The goal is that the bride look like she's been uh, just adorned with the precious gems of one that would be given to her, something that would be given to her by the groom. So often when we look at churches, we don't see the fruit. Verse 46, listen to what it says. Let's go back to Acts 13. 13 and 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Then he says this, Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. He says, You've cast it aside, you throw it away. You've judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, so the Gentiles are now turned to. The Gentiles are going to be brought in. They're going to be grafted into that tree. They're going to partake of that same root. Jesus Christ, that root out of dry ground that was prophesied in the Old Testament. 
Life is going to flow to them freely. They are going to produce. This should excite everyone here knowing that the Gentiles were turned to. It should excite everyone here to know that you as a wild olive branch has been taken off of that wild olive tree by the gardener himself and been placed into the family of God. You didn't do it yourself. There's no way that you could graft yourself into something. It happens outside of your power and outside of your ability. All of us here today should be thanking and praising the Lord for the gospel turning to the Gentiles. This is a moment in history that is worthy of our attention because without it, we would not be here worshiping today. Without a doubt, we would not be here worshiping today. Can I get an amen from anybody? This is good. This is a good thing. Can I get a glory from anybody? What about a hallelujah? I know we're Baptists and I know we can be sticking the muds at times. But sometimes we just got to let it out and say glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that I was wild, but now I'm, I'm sane. I was the wild in, but now I'm sitting at your feet partaking of you. The gospel has went forth and the the Jews rejected that gospel and, and it's been turned to the Gentiles and the Gentiles have had this huge calling in, had this huge harvest. We should be like Mary, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the God of my salvation. These are the things that we should be singing, saying, praising about. Verse 47, listen to what it says. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Gentiles, us, us Westerners, salvation has been brought to us. It's been spread to us. We didn't come up with it. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? It didn't start with us. It was spread to us. And so we need to thank the Lord and be eternally grateful for that. 47, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of God. Of the Lord. These are, our, these are our fathers, if you could call them that. Amen. These Gentiles, when it turned to them and Paul and Barnabas began to preach to them, the Gentiles rejoiced. We looked at that word earlier in the book of Luke in chapter 1 in 44 and 45, where the, the spirit of Mary rejoiced. It leapt. And here we have the same thing taking place. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. I have just a little bit left. Pay attention. They were rejoicing. They were glad. They were happy. 
They were excited. They were lifted up and they were praising the Lord and his word. This is what they were doing. From myself to you, I, I long to see, truly, our hearts bursting at the seams to exalt Jesus higher. I long to see it. They were glad. They knew the covenants and promises did not pertain to them, but as soon as Paul and Barnabas turned towards them and began to preach, these people were ecstatic. I wish so often that we could break, break the long donkey faces that we have when it comes to worshiping the Lord and coming in to service. And just lift up our voice to Him. We've got to turn the frowns upside down. Joy to the world. <laughs> right? Be glad. Shout for joy. Praise the Lord. Rejoice. This is the time of year that we should do that. Raise your hand. Show some kind of emotion so that those that are without may see your fruit dangling off the limbs. Show some kind of emotion to our Redeemer, to our Savior, to our Mediator. And as Mary said, for holy is His name. Be like Mary today and proclaim, My soul doth magnify the Lord, my spirit rejoices in my Savior, God my Savior. Or be like Miriam and sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider He has thrown into the sea. Something, anything, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. As Baptists, we must become a little bit more undignified and show our hearts. And this takes practice. This takes being vulnerable. This takes letting the guard down and surrendering fully to the Lord and showing Him our hearts. Remember, the Gentiles were turned to. The Gentiles were grafted in. And that happened by the grace of God. And I pray today that you would rejoice and praise Him accordingly. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we do thank you for being grafted in. We thank you for that, that love, Lord, that you worked on our behalf.